Welcome to Spread the Good Stuff podcast. My name is Bron Carley. I'm your host, better known as the Good Stuff Guy. Now, during these sessions, we focus on real people making a positive impact on the world. And our mission here is to share stories of inspiration to remind every single listener that what you do matters and how you show up in the world makes a difference. The world needs you to shine your light brightly and to sing your unique theme song at the top of your lungs every single day. Now, today we have an amazing guest. Not only is he my soul brother, my best friend, my partner in crime with performance, this guy is a musician, a composer, an educator. He had a viral video called Mario on Marimba that went super viral, hundreds of millions of views across all platforms. He's an incredible human being, my soul brother. Welcome to the show. It's an honor for me to introduce everybody to Aaron Grooves, AKA Aaron Williams. Welcome, Aaron. <laughs> What's up, Brown Carr? Thanks so much for having me. Hello, yeah, everybody. <laughs> Dude, we're going to have some fun, man. I'm really, really excited uh, to jump in here. Uh, I've known you for over eight years now. We are soul brothers. We've performed together. We are each other's mentors and coaches in different uh, respective art forms. Uh, I am really excited to introduce these people to you. And my first question to jumpstart things today is, uh, what brings you joy in life? Well, first, thank you so much for having me. And this is very exciting. I'm very excited about this podcast. And uh, that question, immediate answer is music. Music yeah. brings me joy in life. I can spend hours just shedding on music, having fun playing music, uplifting my spirits and just transcending, transcending my base physical <laughs> reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. So what is it about music that brings you joy? Like what... What is it? What is it about music that, that brings so much joy to you, bro? That is a fantastic question. I'm not really sure. There's just something about the combination of sounds and patterns, and it feeds the intellectual part of my brain, but it also feeds the emotional part of my brain. Hmm. And it also feeds my desire to connect with others. It's just so many things all mixed together. And um, another thing that brings me joy is seeing other people experience joy. And especially when I'm the spark for that, mm. that joy that they experience. So music has all of that wrapped up inside of it. And I guess that's, it's, it has to be something around that. Yeah. But I'm not actually sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Well, I love obviously seeing other people experience joy. Uh, that's a very, very real thing. And if when we can use mm -hmm. music to tap into that, um, you know, like, like you were saying, it feeds the intellectual side, but it also has an emotional quality to you. And I'm a huge advocate for music and more arts and more listening of music and consciously engineered music that we can use as tools in our lives to stimulate, to relax, to be an atmospheric navigator for our worlds, you know. Um, but the emotional side is very interesting to me, as you mentioned there, because yeah. if, if, you know, for everybody listening, if you think about you know, a song that you heard, obviously we anchor in uh, like, like high school times. There's songs that we hear that take us back to that time period or, uh, or a moment where we were celebrating. If, if we hear happy birthday, uh, we automatically associate it with some type of, of celebration. Uh, do you have any input on this emotional anchoring of songs, uh, experiences that you've had? Yeah, I, first, I totally agree with you. 
that um, that connection that we have to certain songs that we remember, that we associate with certain memories, whether those could be good memories or bad memories. You've seen the study where they played music for some of these Alzheimer's patients. And then they had certain songs that they remember from their childhood. And it's like suddenly they became themselves again. Like that music was stuck in their brain long after their regular memories had faded and their memorization of people's names and relationships and addresses and birthdays and all this stuff. The music was still inside. And I've been preaching this to a lot of my students and fellow music educators for a long time, that music is a language, but it sits deeper in the brain than spoken language. There's something base about music that regular language is built on top of. And that's one of the reasons why it's universal. So it doesn't matter who you're speaking to in the language of music, they may speak a different uh, spoken language, verbal language from you. But when you speak music, everything makes sense for every human. It's really fascinating how that works to me. Yeah, and, and even you know one of my idols is Bobby McFerrin, and who's a, a fantastic yeah. vocalist and facilitator, composer, et cetera. Uh, but, and he has a really cool experiment that he, that he did. Um, uh, and it's on YouTube somewhere, but it, where he sings the, the pentatonic scale and he actually gets the audience to finish the scale. Like he plays like <laughs> three notes and sets it up and then the entire audience nails it. I mean, it is, and he says he does this on every continent in different countries and everybody gets it every single time. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's a very cool, very cool experience. You know, and it's like, if I were to go, Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. With a little Should bit of accommodate latency. for latency. <laughs> latency on Zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's try one more time. <laughs> dun, dun, Ooh, dun, dun, can we do a quick dun, dun? dun. Yeah. Was that was that close? <laughs> yeah, a little latency, but it's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, but but that's it. So tell me more about this because you're teaching. You study. Um, a practice called ORF uh, training. Yes. And tell me about this this very intuitive. Uh, musical teaching style that, that, that you've been, you know, uh, very deeply immersed in for years now. Yeah, thanks so much for mentioning ORF. Shout out to all the orphans out there. Yeah, ORF Schule work is a pedagogy used for teaching music, mostly to elementary age students, but it's really just a way for teaching humans and the natural way that they learn. So from day one, we're talking about improvisation. We don't just talk about these things or read about these things, we do them. Even with kindergartners or preschool students or first graders, whatever it is, we're improvising from day one. We're creating our own songs, our own melodies. We associate rhythm and melodies and pitches to spoken word. So the idea is that rather than having to spend, as you know, hundreds or thousands of hours becoming proficient at a specific instrument, there are some instruments that you can play and they sound good on the first try. So in the world of ORF, we use things like a xylophone because the bar is in tune, you just hit it and it sounds good. Or pianos, not as much, but they are great for teaching ORF uh, recorders, which give some people bad memories, but I love recorder and I've loved <laughs> it even more as I've got into the ORF world. I use recorder now in many of my videos, it's phenomenal. So you can make correct, or I said correct, but in pitch, <laughs> in tune music on these instruments even as a first day beginner. So what we would do is we would set up the xylophone. Oh, one beautiful thing about these ORF xylophones, you can take out certain bars. So that scale you just mentioned that Bobby McFerrin had the audiences sing, that pentatonic scale, penta, five, tonic, tone, five tones. Well, there's seven notes in the musical alphabet. We take two of them out and we have the pentatonic scale. Da, 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 or one, two, three, five, six, one, two, three, five, six, one. It goes on forever or down forever. And then you can play anything you want. 
So maybe we're having an interview with Bron Carr, having an interview with Bron Carr, having an interview with Bron Carr. And you play that on a pentatonic scale and whatever you play, is going to sound beautiful yeah. because we're using that pentatonic scale. And it's also very intuitive. Like you said, almost everybody gets that immediately. Yeah. So you hear what you're doing and you can make adjustments and make changes. And I have kids as young as kindergarten, literally writing out the notes that they want to use, making adjustments like, oh, well, I did it this way the first time, but maybe I can change that D to an E. So they're being composers as beginning musicians. They're being improvisers as beginning musicians. They're listening and understanding everything that they're doing. And of course, this just extends throughout the atmosphere, or throughout the uh, entire spectrum of musicianship and skill levels. I actually became a much better jazz improviser after I studied orchestral work, which is weird because I'm studying elemental music and it helped me become a better jazz improviser at a higher level. Yeah. Well, and, so, and, and for the listeners out there, uh, you know, Aaron is a phenomenal, you know, high information player. He's got, uh, you know, a good bit of classical training as well as jazz training. And so uh, when I say high information, what I mean is lots of notes, maybe less predictable patterns than like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, which is in traditional pop tunes. Um, so different time signatures and, and melodic structures and things like that. And so that's what I mean when I say high information. But here's what I want to throw at you, Aaron. What do you have to say to the listeners right now who are telling themselves, yeah, okay, well, these guys play music, but I'm not a musician. I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I can't play music. What do you have to say to them? Yeah, I have a couple of things to say. Three things come to mind. The first one is that I kind of feel like I should apologize to people who have experienced at some point in their life, someone telling them that they're not musical. I just feel like that's unfair. And it gets, it gets me upset <laughs> when I hear those stories from other people, because I've had students who were not musical, but I never told them they weren't musical or that you have no potential. The truth is everyone can get better no matter where you are. And I first discovered this when I had one student, this is my first year teaching elementary school. I had a student who could not match pitch at all. So I would say, La, 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 like no clue. Yeah. But you just have to find ways to get them to understand and to feel it. And once they feel it, then it's like, oh, okay, tap into that feeling again. So it was mm. kind of fun because I had all these different exercises and experiment. It was kind of like a science experiment, but we finally found some ways to where he connected with the pitch. Yeah. And then suddenly it was easy to teach him. And then, oh, you can find this pattern. Oh, let's use that method to get this pattern. Oh, now we can use other methods because you're getting better. And by the end of sixth grade on the sixth grade promotion ceremony, he sung a solo and it was perfectly in tune. And his mother emailed me later saying that she had cried and she couldn't believe that he was singing. Mm. And a few years later in high school, he was actually singing with a band that he had created with some friends. And I have multiple stories like that. I have two other students that are at the top of my brain. One of them was completely arrhythmic. I mean, you could literally go to her and say, and she would not be able to repeat that rhythm. Yeah. I have met maybe one or two students in my entire life like that. But over time, the same thing happened with her. Now she's yeah. able to play her patterns in time. She was in, I think, third or fourth grade when she was doing some pretty complicated pattern in a concert at the school. So I, I would say to those people that you do have potential but you might have to get with the right coach or mentor to just kind of help you. Someone has experience in helping to people to, to find their rhythmic abilities or yeah. experiment with some things because rebuilding the wheel is possible, but it takes so much effort. You probably yep. don't want to do it by yourself. And I also want to say you have worked with people. You just gave a couple of references to, to young kids, you know, sixth grade and all that, but you've worked on uh, high levels with <clears throat> adults, with elders, with oh, youngsters. Yeah. 
Uh, you've taught college level, you know, drumline, all kinds of stuff. And so we're not talking about like, you know, uh, you can't teach yeah. an old dog new tricks kind of thing. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, for, for the, for the, for the adults like us, you know, I mean, is it, absolutely is, is, is it, is it ever too late? Is this just an excuse that people say, is it ever too late to get into music and learn? It is never too late. I'm thinking of a, a 40 late forties to 50 year old who I worked with on piano. You know, who I'm talking about. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like no matter where you are, you can improve. The only thing it takes is some open, some open energy. Yeah. Because right? if you're really rejective and you're so maybe paralyzed by fear, yeah. then you're not going to make as much progress. You, you still can make progress. But if you just say to yourself, you know what, I can do it. Maybe I can't right now, but that word yet is very powerful. It's the power of yet. Yeah. I can't do it yet. And then that kind of opens you to the possibility of getting better. And then if you seek out someone and you, uh, you have told me so many stories about how you have reached out to random or not random, but uh, to other mentors to help you learn something where mm -hmm. I've mentored you, you've mentored me. It just goes on and on and on. So definitely don't be afraid to reach out to someone for help. I help people all the time. Sometimes they pay me. Sometimes it's for free. Sometimes it's just a tip here or there. Sometimes it's forwarding a video onto them that they could benefit from or telling them yeah. an exercise. So definitely reach out to people for help. And then the other one, this is the big one. Choose something that you're really excited about. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. So if someone says, oh, if you're going to learn music, you have to start on piano or you have to start on drums or whatever it is. That's not true. You have to start on something that you're excited about. Yeah. So start with something that you're excited about and you have much more success. Those are my big tips. And I give those tips to adults and to parents who are teaching something for their kids as well. That's beautiful, brother. So start with something that you're passionate about and the power of yet right? Or not yet. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, and I can think of that, you know, one thing I, I'd like to throw in there is, you know, my belief is that there's, there's no such thing as a non-musical uh, being. We're all hardwired Absolutely. for music. We're just not all trained musicians, right? So we haven't put in the, in the time and energy to, uh, to do that. I, I love that brother. And I love the intuitive music that you're talking about, you know, picking up a, you know, a drum or like you said, a piano that's already in tune or, uh, you know, a marimba or something like that. Um, you know, was there one person that really, you know, opened your mind and, and, you know, in the, in the musical realm that really gave you that assistance and, and, and helped you to step into this, this being of a musician? Yes. And um, I think of a few, but the one that's been on my mind a lot lately is Chick Corea. As many of you may know, Chick Corea is the jazz pianist and he passed away earlier this year in 2021. And he was one of my first, he was one of the first influences that kind of gave me a window into this high information music that was combining jazz with rock, with Latin, with all of these jazz fusion, some people will call it jazz fusion, but there's not really a label for it. It's kind of like the people who are making the music, they're just making music. So, so yeah. I would listen to some of his music and I would just be blown away. It would literally feel like I was just a kid in some wilderness and I had no idea what was going on. That's how I felt when I listened to his music and I had to understand what was happening. So just that journey of me wanting to understand what he was doing and how the rhythms worked and what these Ostinati and Himiola were all about, that kind of kickstarted me and propelled me down that journey of more high information music and more advanced rhythms and harmonies and chord progressions. Yeah, yeah. I, I love this, bro. Why, why do you play music? Why do I play music? Honestly, when I was, if you would ask me that question maybe 10 to 15 years ago, I probably would have said that it's because 
music is just inside of me and I love it and I'm meant to be a musician. But if you ask me that question today, I've discovered, especially over the last 10 years, especially since meeting you, that when I see something, I guess my personality is just one of curiosity. And I see something that enthralls me and I'm like, how does that work? I want to do it. Or that's amazing. I want to see how this, I want to experience that. Yeah. Like when I saw you bounce juggling beatboxing for the first time, what, eight years ago, I was like, what? I had never seen something like that. And I had to have some kind of experience like it. So I started trying to bounce juggle like, like you. <laughs> and I spent at least maybe six to nine months just practicing bounce juggling two or three times a week. Yeah. And I never got to the point where I could run five, force, force juggle five bounce balls indefinitely. I got like 150 bounces once or twice which yeah. for me is like my personal bex, but I never got to the point where I could just do it forever. But I had some other patterns that I learned and it was so much fun. And I even used bounce juggling to make music. Yeah, Because yep. for me, it's like, oh, there's this cool thing. Can I use it to yeah. express myself in some way? So I have a random YouTube video with four yeah. errands bounce juggling. <laughs> and that's one thing that I really admire about you is your, your, your level of curiosity and your ability to explore something. You have this very scientific approach this childlike scientific approach to life where you want to you want to uncover things and discover things and you know uh, you know this podcast is all about you know spreading the good stuff in the world and you know i i believe from my perspective um i see you using music as a tool to project to amplify to share and spread that good stuff to the world would you like to speak on that a little bit yeah absolutely and not to jump ahead, but that's kind of the answer for one of the questions that I remember you mentioned earlier before we got on the podcast, just about kind of what some of my goals are, you know, like why I made the Mario video that you mentioned. It's kind of that, that, that's it. Yeah. I'm trying to spread this joy and excitement to other people. And yeah, there's a little bit of ego in there. Like, Ooh, I want you to see that I can actually do this Yeah, because I remember 10 to 15 years ago when I was working with the high school drum line and they wanted to do Super Mario Brothers for their, for their feature. And I was listening to it and I said, you know what, I think this is possible for one person to play on marimba with four mallets. And that was kind of the spark that started that, that process. So part of me was just excited that I accomplished it and I want to share that with people. But also just the joy, everybody, well not everybody, but so many people love Mario games. Like mm. my friends, my family, my nieces, my nephews, me, I was addicted to Mario as a kid. And when you hear that da 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 da, it's like, oh, that just does something to you, yeah. to a lot of people. So that was another reason for it. And I'm pretty sure that's why it went viral because people hear that and they're like, oh, and then they see it with one yeah. person I remember like, oh, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, all that stuff, all that good stuff. All that good stuff, baby. And there was definitely, certainly Mario on Marimba uh, was a was a magical recipe with all these specific ingredients in there. And for the listeners, right, uh, you know, now make sure you can find, uh, you know, Aaron Grooves is his YouTube name, and you can just search for Mario on Marimba, and you can check this video out that now has hundreds of millions of views, uh, YouTube and Facebook, and I've seen it on, featured on the homepage of Reddit several times, and like all <laughs> over the place. It's just gone ultra viral. Um, but, but certainly, you know, the, the magical recipe, uh, behind this, I think it, it really is the magic recipe for the good stuff on, on a high level, because you have a song that's relatable that people know, you know, super Mario theme song, you have a very cool, 
visual instrument that you know is is unique this marimba and for people who don't know what a marimba is it's like a giant xylophone made of wood that has this cool resonation chambers and it's just a really freaking cool um and then you have this really fun loving compassionate human being that is that is behind and propelling his energy and essence through this apparatus, through this tool, with this relatable song, and suddenly you have this magical recipe. And without any of those unique three ingredients, uh, you wouldn't have had the virality that, um, that, 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 that happened with this video. And so that, I think it really comes back to reminding people here that what they do matters and how they show up matters. And that intentional and that uh, the, the, the intention and the omnipresent, you know, undercurrent that's within everything that they do in life makes a difference. And for you, it sounds like when you were making that video, you were radiating love and compassion and kindness for humanity through uh, that marimba. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I love it. Brother. 110%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so we, we, you kind of skirted around this a little bit, but how did you get into, how did you get into this work and you could choose, you know, for me, I see you as being this, you're, you're very multiple, multidisciplinary human. You play a lot of instruments, you know, you're a composer, a musician, performer, and an educator, but how did you really get into this, this work? Yeah, I guess kind of similar to the first time I saw you playing uh, beatbox and the bounce juggling at the same time, I saw someone playing percussion as a sixth grader. No, actually, I think it was fourth or actually I'll go back. It was fourth grade. The high school band came in and did a concert and said, hey, here are the instruments that you can learn as a fifth grader if you want to be in band. So we went around to the little stations and I tried out the flute and the clarinet and the trumpet. And I actually fell in love with the trumpet. It's like, the trumpet is so cool. And I wanted to play the trumpet. We come from a very modest background and I was actually afraid to ask my mother if I could play trumpet because I didn't think we could afford it, which was really stupid because my mother is the type of mother who will find a way. Yeah. So I never even asked her. But for some reason in fifth grade, when the other fifth graders were already in beginning band, my mother knew that I should be playing music. So she had talked to the band director and secretly got me into band as a sixth grader. So in sixth grade, I started middle school and I was a percussionist. And in the percussion section, all of the instruments are already there because you have these gigantic instruments like xylophone, concert bass drum, timpani, chimes. Yeah. You yeah. can't take those things home in a, in a practice case and practice at home. And that's kind of how I got into it. And by eighth grade, and I've told you this story a few times, but my percussion teacher, uh, Mr. Walker, Robert Walker, he told me in eighth grade, hey, hey Aaron, here's this uh, Bach violin sonata. Why don't you take it home? And here's a set of bells you can take home. See if you can learn this over winter break. And I learned that over winter break. And that process of figuring out the notes, I was very slow at sight reading. So for those of you who are not good sight readers, I can relate. <laughs> and over, over time, like just learning that piece slowly and slowly, I eventually realized that the, the process of making music come to life on an instrument was just, it was just so much fun. So that was when I fell in love, not only with snare drum and bass drum and marching percussion, but with mallets as well and with melody and with pitches. Yeah. And then fast forward to 10th grade, I, I'm at a Missouri All-State Band Festival and one person comes up on stage, this girl, and she picks up four mallets at the same time. And she plays Yellow After the Rain by Mitchell Peters. And I had never seen four mallets and I was just blown away. I was like, what, four mallets, what? Is, is this real? My band director, 
Robert Walker, he happened to be a percussionist. So he's like, yeah, you put the one mallet here and you put the other mallet there. And he had some music and he had yellow after the rain. So over time I started learning four mallets and I fell in love with that. And this just goes on and on and on. And then years later, um, yeah, this has kind of been the pattern. I would see something, I would get really excited and I would try it. So that's kind of the reason why I'm a multi-instrumentalist today. I just see people playing something. And I'm like, oh, can I learn a little bit of that? A little bit of that. And some instruments I become more or less proficient on. And um, some, some I've chosen to actually become proficient on, like tap dancing and, uh, and singing. I've spent a lot of time on and piano, of course. Yeah. But there's yeah. lots that I just love that I haven't spent as much time on. And that's kind of the, the, the short version of the long story, the long version of the short story. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's a version of some story. <laughs> well, there's something really interesting I, I want to touch on, which is, um, you know, you mentioned Mr. Walker and Mr. Walker uh, was a huge part of, of, of your life. Obviously he inspired you. And I, I would love for you to talk about Mr. Walker a little bit, because what I see in you is that essentially Mr. Walker's, you know, love and um, uh, time and energy that he spent with you and poured into you is still reverberating on and coming out mm -hmm. in every concert that you give, every viral video. I mean, think about the, the, the hundreds of millions of people who saw Mario on Marimba and experienced that. That essentially is Mr. Walker's legacy because he extended his uh, his abilities, his love and his time and energy and essence into you. And now that's reverberating on. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about Mr. Walker? Can you, yeah. Hit me. Yeah. It's that's wild. I hope he sees this. I'll have to find him and send this to him, but um, that would be a great idea, brother. And for anybody listening before you give your, your talk here for anybody listening, if there's somebody in your life that has impacted you in a positive way and you think about them right now, when you think about somebody who's impacted you in a positive way, right now, you probably get goosebumps or what I call truth bumps when we're in vibrational congruency. When you think about that person, you might get a buzz or a ping. I strongly encourage you to send them a message, give them a call, mail them a postcard, send them a uh, whatever you can, but reach out and let them know that they filled you with love. And because of them, you are a better person because that person might need to hear that today. Okay. Back to you, brother. Thanks. And just real quick, I got to give a shout out to Miss Davis, Jan Davis. She was the middle school band director that let me into band. So yeah. she also changed my life. <laughs> Beautiful. And uh, we're still in touch to this day. She's an incredible human as well. And um, so Mr. Walker, the percussionist, so he gave me all the percussion tools. Yeah. It's fascinating because I remember years after I left high school and I came back to visit before I moved to LA from Kansas city, Missouri, Mr. Walker was still there. And we had a conversation and I could see him. I don't, I don't think he actually said this in words, but he implied that he really wanted me to continue educating others kind of the way he had done. Yeah. And he wanted, I could tell he wanted me to stick around Kansas city so I could like take up the mantle and keep teaching at that school, keep, keep things going. And I think it actually made him a little sad that I was moving to LA. So I'll never forget that moment and the look in his eyes but I definitely felt strongly that um, I had to continue trying to share and inspire others. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, there's definitely a balancing act because there's my own musical ambitions, but there's my strong desire to see these epiphanies in my students and see them light up and accomplish things. And then there's this, this need to 
be successful and have a, a decent business and make a living. So it's mm -hmm. definitely a balancing act. But the places that I focus on almost exclusively, and you know me, we have conversations about this, are the music and the sharing, because I've learned through trial and error that when you are really passionate and excited about what you're doing, you don't have to be worried as much about the business side of things because people are gonna see that. They're gonna be excited by that. They're gonna work with you and they're gonna to want to work with you and they're gonna seek you out for opportunities. Mm. So um, that's kind of where I am right now. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna send this video out to Mr. Walker and Ms. Davis. So uh, yeah. thanks for that opportunity. Absolutely, brother. Uh, we all need reminders for each other, man. And you know, you're inside the bottle, so you can't see the label. And that's my job yeah. as a, as a soul brother and a friend. So, uh, you know, for, for each of us, it's, uh, you know, we reflect that back. Um, and that's really cool because now, uh, you know, for, for the listeners out there too, like, you know, you know, thinking about those people that have had an impact on you also thinking who are all the people that you've had a positive impact on? You know, I, I recently did an interview and somebody asked me, they said, how do you define success? And I said, at the end of the day, I ask myself one question. I say, did I spread the good stuff today? And if so, then I get a good night's sleep. <laughs> and if not, I might stay awake for a little bit longer thinking, well, how could I improve upon that so that tomorrow I'm spreading the good stuff? Uh, but that's a really good you know, thought process to have is to think about your echo effect. You know, Some people call it the ripple effect or the domino effect. I call it the echo effect. What is that? that energy that you've put out where you've, you know, either done something great like this, like Mr. Walker did for Aaron here. Um, but what have you done for someone else, either on a large level or a small level, every single day, tiny interactions and think about how that energy has rippled on and echoed on and reverberated on in the heads and hearts of other people because what you do matters and how you show up in the world matters. And uh, for a quick moment here, I'm just going to take a sip of my water out of my spread the good stuff mug here Hint, hint for anybody, well. for anybody who wants to spread the good stuff. We have got mugs, spread the good stuff mugs. If you see my t-shirt, for those of you who are uh, listening, you can't see it for your watching. We got spread the good stuff shirts. Make sure to check it out at spreadthegoodstuff.com. You can get a shirt, you can get a mug. We're going to have fanny packs coming your way soon because I am a dad and I rock the fanny pack all the time. Uh, so we got all kinds of good stuff over there. Spreadthegoodstuff.com. Make sure you check that out. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So has oh, one question, has Mr. Walker seen your Mario and Marimba video? I'm pretty sure he has. Did you say that? Um, oh, sorry. Contact at least once through Facebook, but he's a tough, he's a difficult person to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah. I know he's super busy and I've been trying to get a hold of him like at various points throughout the past few years, but um, yeah, I'll get a hold of him. I'm, I'm I sure he's seen it. I would invite you to send him a personal message and say, hey, Mr. Walker, I just want to thank you for all that love and support you gave me. Here's a video that I had. And it's like, boom. And, it, and, and it's something like, this is your legacy living out, you know, like something Ooh. about him. I mean, talk about making somebody's yeah. day, man. If somebody sent me a video yeah. and they were like, hey, check this out. I did this because of you. It's like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and I have I have sent him a message almost exactly like that, but I didn't include the the Mario video. It was just more like a thank you message, yeah, and uh, my love message. Yeah. But um, yeah, I haven't spoken to him in quite a while, though. I definitely have to reach back out. And also, if you are watching this, I want you to know that I have definitely been teaching a ton 
since I moved to LA. I've taught middle school, band director. I've been a band director for a while. I've been in um, elementary school, music teaching. And I still teach people today. I'm always going to teach. I love yeah. teaching just as much as I love playing music and composing music. So they're, yeah, they're inseparable. Yeah, yeah. And Aaron is a legit teacher. I mean, I've seen him facilitate workshops. We've co-facilitated workshops. He is he is an amazing teacher. And if you are interested, if you are listening and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm 12 years old or I'm 40 years old or I'm 75 years old or whatever it is. And you're like, I've never really given music a shot. Uh, Aaron Grooves, or as we call him over here at our house, Uncle Aaron uh, or <laughs> Uncle Aaron. Um, he is a phenomenal teacher and will inspire you and get you playing music. So Aaron Grooves again. Uh, Aaron, I got a question for you, brother. Um, just to change gears a little. Uh, what has been a challenging moment for you in your career, a challenging moment for you in your career? And how did you overcome that challenge? Thank you for that question. There's been a few and I'm trying to think of which one to speak about. I guess I'll speak about maybe one that's more recent because I think a lot of people will relate to this. Um, when COVID hit and things were shut down, as an artist, you know, for me, my life changed drastically. And part of it was that I live in an apartment and I didn't really have the infrastructure set up to make music and videos without having access to a public space or, or a private studio to rent. So when everything was shut down, suddenly it was like, I couldn't make music. And if you, even if you go back and look at my YouTube channel, you'll see a lot of videos from last summer, like 2020, I was really in it. I was there at the studio every day or at the school, in the theater, doing whatever, making music. And then there's a few months where hardly anything comes out. And that was like the struggle. And I was literally depressed some days. I would be sad. I would be crying. It was weird. And because um, me, I'm a super positive person, but not being able to make music or have an outlet to share or a place to go and film videos it was really frustrating or a physical space to teach students. And as a music educator, not being able to make music in real time with people because you're working on a digital platform, a video sharing platform of some sort, it's, it's impossible. So trying to find ways to get around that was definitely a big challenge. And I would say from the months of last June through December, I probably spent an average of 20 to 40 hours per week just trying to solve that problem. And not until December did I really feel like I had reached some kind of um, some kind of momentum and kind of a new life for myself that works that I'm happy with. And this year, especially, I've really embraced those opportunities. In fact, uh, last year, last fall, this, even my background here wouldn't have looked this nice. It would have been turned around. You would have seen like my bathroom door over there and all kind of random stuff in my apartment. But um, I've turned things around. I have my keyboard, I have the electric bass, I have random stuff. I've taken time to figure out all of this technology, which is a nightmare, but when it works, you are the happiest person in the world. Like right now, this, this is actually working. I'm very excited and happy about that. So, um, so yeah, I don't really, I could ramble about this forever. I don't wanna go into too many details because then I might start crying again, but I will say this other thing. <laughs> also last year, this is connected with a very big transition in my career, I made the decision to stop teaching at the elementary school, stop teaching music and really pursue performing full time because there were so many opportunities available and it had been on my mind for years anyway. But when I finally said to the school, this is my last year and I'm not coming back so I can pursue performing and touring, it was really difficult because I loved all of these students and I love this community. I love these teachers. I love the staff. Um, it was incredible. And leaving that school was one of the biggest things 
that I've ever had to deal with. And just looking the kids in the eye through Zoom and them saying like, bye, or sending me goodbye messages and parents sending emails, that was a very rough time. Yeah, yeah. But I'm really happy with that decision in retrospect, because I definitely had moments of doubt last summer. I was thinking this was the wrong decision. I should never have left. I need to be back. If I had known what I know today, then I would have stayed at the school, blah, blah, blah. All of this self-doubt. But um, in retrospect, I'm really happy that I made that decision because it's forced me in some ways to find other things and discover other things or to actually accomplish some of the goals that I had set up for myself years ago that I just didn't have the bandwidth for because I was so committed to um, lesson planning or whatever it was. Yeah, I love that, brother. I love, there's so much to unpack there, but I really love about, you know, what you were saying about the, the bandwidth. You didn't have the bandwidth, you know, and, and I refer to that as the energetic bandwidth because we, our most valuable resource is not our time. Uh, it is really our energetic bandwidth, which is, you know, comprised of our health and things like that. But if we don't have energy, uh, we can't do anything, you know? And if you just think about last time you were, you know, uh, hopefully it was a long time ago, but last time you were really sick in bed, you had time, right? You didn't go to school. You didn't go to work. You didn't do whatever. You had time, free time, but you had no energy. And so you couldn't do anything. You couldn't even get out of bed and get yourself a glass of water or cook a uh -huh. meal or let alone go and like do anything for other people, spread the good stuff, you know? So we, we have to maintain uh, that energetic integrity and take care and nurture our energetic bandwidth. And, and one thing I thought about here with your story is you said no to make room for the bigger yes, to follow your, your passion there uh, and to really get out there and play. And ultimately, as we talked about this a lot over the last couple of years, you being able to now as a full-time performer and, and teacher on the virtual platform, you're now able to connect, inspire, and, um, and affect hundreds of thousands of people, uh, millions of people through these other mediums, as opposed to, uh, you know, a few hundred people at a school. Now you have the ability to connect with so many more. And so it has ultimately amplified your, your impact in the world. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. And, and, you know, one other thought, and, and I'd love to dig into this a little bit was, you know, it really came up to me. We all need, um, we all need people. We're, 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 we're tribal beings. We're community beings. We we're hardwired for connection. We need that. And certainly in this, you know, last year you were deprived of that as, as millions of people were. Um, but also I, it made me think about a therapeutic outlet to plug into for you. It sounds like making music, not for yourself, making music with the intention of sharing with other people and bringing out that joy in them and seeing that joy in them, as you mentioned earlier, that is a therapeutic uh, outlet for you. That is something that's very important to you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. And thanks for that, that observation, because I hadn't even thought about that much myself. It just made me realize that many of the videos on my YouTube channel are not even public. Sometimes I make videos for people and have it unlisted and send it to them because it's just for a specific purpose because everything that I do isn't for the public, but everything I do is designed for someone to benefit from in some way. And I hadn't really realized that even in the last month, most of the videos I posted on YouTube have not been YouTube videos per se. They've just been videos for someone to benefit from or to share with someone or to teach something. And that's, um, that's fascinating. I hadn't even thought about that. So <laughs> that's a brilliant observation, Bron Carr. That's why we're best friends, and, uh, buddy. Wait, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I was just talking about the therapeutic 
the therapeutic oh, outlet for you. And also right. just really, I think it comes down to that, that, that why you make music. It's not just for, you know, for your own personal satisfaction of you memorizing a really complicated piece or playing really fast fingerings on the piano or any of that stuff. Really what it is for you, it sounds like, is to spread that good stuff, to spread that joy so that you're lighting other people up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And um, I mean, you just articulated it so perfectly. I don't think I need to even expand upon it. I would agree, absolutely. That uh, part, part, yeah, a big part of why I make music is specifically, that's, that's my way of infecting and influencing and lifting people up or, um, or communicating something. And I use music for multiple purposes. Some of it is for entertainment, yes. Some of it is specifically for encouragement. Like the video I just released, I think two days ago, I did a version of What a Wonderful World. And I only did that to lift myself up because I was having one of those moments where I was feeling a little down. Not as bad as last summer, but I was feeling like a little frustrated with just kind of certain things in life. And I made that video because I love that song and it always makes me feel good. It's like, you know what? I should make a video about this tonight. And I made that video that night at the percussion studio, was not prepared to, but I just grabbed some tools that I had. I grabbed the flute, the ukulele, just did a little marimba bass. Yeah. And uh, it turned into a little fun project. I used my old camera on my old phone, which literally died last weekend. Yeah. It's the last video that I made with this phone was What a Wonderful World. And it was totally spontaneous. And it was specifically for that reason of just encouragement. In fact, that video isn't even monetized. Because I, I didn't even make it with the purpose, with the purpose or the intention of making profit off of it. I really just wanted something to share with people and just say, "Hey, take this, enjoy it, feel, have a little feel good, spread some good stuff." And that was it. In fact, I should probably go on and monetize that video right now. <laughs> I think enough people have benefited from it. Yeah, and that one's that one's quite possibly going to go very viral. Well, all your videos at this point go pretty viral in, in the terms yeah, of like I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Hundreds of thousands of views, some of them tens of millions, some of them hundreds of millions, but they all do. Well, what I would call that is an intentional act of kindness. That's an intentional act of kindness. Ooh. And it sounds like what you're doing is you're just taking what's around you. You were like, yeah, I grabbed a flute. I grabbed the ukulele. I had this camera that isn't really a camera. It's just like a, a kind of a smartphone, but it's really not that smart. And it's like, and you just... <laughs> You just grabbed what was there and made something, but your intention was so strong underneath it that it just came through no matter what. And so for the listeners out here, right, let's not be paralyzed by perfection. Let's not, you know, have to be uh, so perfect, you know, done is better than perfect. And, you know, uh, we can fail forward and, you know, let's just let, you know, but, but that which is not shared is lost. And what you did, Aaron, mm -hmm. was you took what was there and you just put the recipe together. The key ingredient, again, was your uh, intention of spreading the good stuff in the world. And then you made something super cool. Yeah. And so now all the listeners need to check out What a Wonderful World by Aaron Grooves as well. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unintentional plug. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, I know we talked about- I'm going to monetize that right now. No. Just yeah, kidding. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let me ask you this, brother. How do you hope to inspire our listeners today? How do you hope to inspire our listeners today? I think that question has a couple of different answers for me personally. Mm -hmm. One is that I see so many people coming back to this idea of love and positivity. And there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that in order for people to become open-minded, 
and want to spread more good stuff. They have to kind of be in that frame. So one of the reasons why I make music and teach and these things is to try to help people get into that frame of mind. So if they see something that makes them feel the way I feel when I see certain things or when I experience certain music, that's kind of like my goal is to push them into that mindset to where they're like, oh, I feel good now. Now I'm happy. Now I don't have to be angry or upset or complain about this or holler at that person or assume that that person is out to get me. Because once they're in that frame of mind where they're just kind of open and positive, then they can have a totally different perspective on everything. Um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, kind of the different actions that we take when we're acting from fear as opposed to acting from courage or acting from encouragement or acting from wanting to help someone or acting from wanting to hurt someone. It's so different. So a big part of the reason why I do the music that I do, the specific types of videos that I make is to get people to that specific frame of mind. And that kind of goes into the other thing, which is just to help hopefully get all of humanity wanting to truly embrace whatever it is that we need to do to make the world a better place mm. and to enhance everybody's quality of life and elevate humanity. Mm. Because once we're there and we're open to any of the possibilities, then we can have serious, deep conversations without getting um, either our ego crushed or getting our feelings hurt or accidentally making a false assumption about someone or assuming that someone else has done something wrong intentionally or deliberately. So it's, it's all kind of intertwined. But for me, music is, I guess it's my preferred method right now of trying to help people to get into that more open, positive frame of mind. And there are other methods that I love. I love just talking about things with people or reading books or sharing information or watching videos or whatever it is. I have lots of things that I love. And you know, I also love science and astrophysics. And I have this dream of being like an astrophysicist. Maybe someday I'll go back to college for that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, music is definitely the, the, the one area that I put in most of the time and energy specifically for that reason of just trying to influence people to be a more positive, open mindset, specifically for the goal of seeing just an amazing world where people are actually facilitated to achieve their greatest potential. That's what I want to see. Because I, I know what some of the potential is. And when I think about it, I get so excited. Like if everybody knew, if everybody felt and wanted that, like, man, we would see yeah. this amazing shift in humanity overnight almost. So that's kind of my big long-term goal. I love it. And I would call that the good stuff, my man. That is the That's good stuff. The I good mean, stuff. <laughs> that is the good stuff, brother. And you do, man, you shine your light brightly. You sing your theme song at the top of your lungs and you spread the good stuff. You radiate the good stuff uh, every single day with every interaction that you have. Uh, I have seen it firsthand, secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand, all hands <laughs> on deck when Uncle Aaron, Aaron Grooves is in the house. So my friends, uh, we're going to wrap this interview up here. Um, one more time, uh, uh, Aaron, how can our listeners uh, find you? Yeah, the best way is definitely through my YouTube channel, which is just search for Aaron Grooves on YouTube or youtube.com slash Aaron Grooves. I also have a website, aarongrooves.com, which is live, but it's very neglected. And I've been inspired recently by Broncar. <laughs> he didn't even tell me this, but I was just thinking like, you know what? I really should get my website together. So um, I started back to working on that. So hopefully by the time you see this, there'll be something there that's a little more appropriate for just for you to get a hold of me or see what I'm up to and um, or join or support or learn or whatever it is. So those are the two main things. Yeah. YouTube, Aaron Grooves and AaronGrooves.com. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for, for being on the show and for everybody out there uh, listening. I hope that you are inspired. You check out Aaron Grooves. 
and uh, support him. He is an incredible human doing incredible things in the world, definitely spreading the good stuff. And, um, and hopefully this uh, interview has you know, reminded you of something that maybe you have once forgotten or uh, given, you, given you a new perspective on music or life, uh, inspiration, joy, happiness. And now moving forward, I hope that you are going to type in to your mental search engine, spreading the good stuff, Aaron Grooves, uh, Mario on Marimba, this uh, energy, this love, this happiness, because we all have the ability to show up and do this and make the world a better place. Uh, now, if you're not already a member of our community and our movement, make sure to check out spreadthegoodstuff.com. We've got tons of resources in there, uh, lots of, 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 of content for you to consume. We've got uh, music uh, and, and instrumental stuff. We've got meditations that don't suck in there. Uh, we've got you get your daily dose of the good stuff, morning, noon, and night, all kinds of amazing things there. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here uh, to Spread the Good Stuff podcast. My name is Bron Carly, better known as the Good Stuff Guy. Make today an amazing day and get out there and spread the good stuff, my friends. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, and Aaron. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, everybody. Spread that good stuff. <laughs>